I want to tell you, last, uh, last month, I don't know about you guys, but I really enjoyed that sermon series. It was a hard one to give, but I enjoyed it, and, uh, and it was kind of fun. We had a lot of laughs together and, and, and chuckling about a lot of things, but this month we're going to be digging into some deeper stuff that, that some of it's going to be hard maybe for some of you to face or, or look at it the right way, but I want to tell you something, that, that God will do an amazing thing when we tackle things head on. And so this whole month, we're talking about peace of mind. How many of you in your lives have, have made the statement like, I just want some peace in my life, right? You know, things are going crazy. Maybe the kids are going nuts, whatever it might be. And you're just, you're wanting some peace. And so we're going to be looking at that this whole month. And we're going to be looking at how familiar names in the scripture dealt with many of the same struggles that you and I face daily sometimes, And we'll learn how they overcame these struggles through not their own strength, not their own strength, but by depending on God. This whole month, we're going to be talking about depression. We're going to be talking about trauma. That's going to be a really deep one. We're going to be talking about worry and burnout. So today, we're going to be talking about depression. Isaiah chapter 27, verse 3, it's the verse you'll hear all Uh, every week this month, it says this, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Church, if you want to have peace, you truly have to recognize who God is in your life. And so today, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about depression. And to kind of open it up, I want to tell you about a guy that I know. His name's Jimmy, of course. And, And I love Jimmy. And Jimmy, he's this great guy. He really is. He's a great guy. Everybody loves him. I mean, he's generous. He's kind. Uh, He's an uplifting person. You for sure, you would really want to be like his best friend. Um, But what it is, is you have no idea that every single morning, Jimmy has a really hard time. I mean, he has to make a conscious decision just to get out of bed just to get out of bed because he, he, he doesn't want to. He doesn't feel up to it, right? On the outside, man, that dude looks happy. Like He looks like he's having a great time. But on the inside, he feels hopeless. He feels empty. He feels dark. He feels afraid. And he feels alone. See, Jimmy has battled for years with ongoing, ongoing crippling depression. And it's like this church, he has even thought, you know, had them really dark thoughts at times in his life. Now, to someone who hasn't experienced depression, and I believe a lot of us have, you might be dismissive of Jimmy and you just be like, man, you got so much going on in your life. Things are good, right? You got, you just pull yourself out of it. Just cheer up, you know, pick yourself up by the bootstraps. But Jimmy would also want you to know, church, That depression, it's not just sadness. It's not just discouragement. It's kind of like a constant darkness for him. You know, it's sometimes, it's just like no feeling at all. It's like no motivation. It's like no hope. And what is really sad is this. The church should be a place where it should be the safest to talk about depression. But you know what? Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not, because in faith communities, 
There seems to be a stigma to it, right? It's because where someone who feels hopeless, they they feel ashamed, they don't want to talk about it, they might even feel guilty spiritually because they're they're feeling like everyone's going to be like, you just need to rely on God, you need to put your faith in Jesus, and it will all be okay. And other well-meaning Christians, they really do, they mean well. They just might say, oh, just suck it up, you know, come on, it's not that big of a deal. You know, just, just pull out of it, get over it. You know, put your faith in Jesus and, and everything's going to be okay. And so then the depressed person doesn't feel safe opening up. Doesn't feel safe opening up and, and, and what happens is they withdraw. They withdraw even further. And, and so then the depression seems to compound, church. It seems to get bigger and deeper and darker. And, you know, think about this. If I've got a sore throat, you're going to say, go see a doctor, right? If I break my leg, you're going to say, go see the surgeon, right? But if someone is battling depression, sometimes it's implied, mind you. It's implied in a message that you need to just keep smiling and move forward. So if you're one of the many people today, in church, I believe we've all struggled at certain times in our life. If you're one of the many people today who have struggled with depression, I want to tell you something. It's one of the biggest problems in our culture today. There are so many people who are depressed. And so this verse, I'm getting ready to read a verse to you. So some of, one part of you might be like, oh, I get that. That's for me. That, that verse, I identify with that verse. But in the very next second, you might sit there and think like, I'm ticked off that you even just said that to me. Here's what the verse says. It comes from Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. It says, anxiety weighs down the heart. But a kind word cheers it up. And so when you think about that, just somebody saying something kind, you think that's going to make me get over my depression? Or a good word, right? See, anxiety, church, it does cause depression. But a good word can make it different. See, if you're battling depression right now, you might say, preacher, it ain't that easy. It's not that simple. A good word is not going to pull me out of my darkness. And I want to remind you, though, something, church. Think about this. When we're talking about word, when the Bible says a good word, it means it's the word of God is what it means. It's the word of God. It's the inspired truth of God. And it just, it's that last part seems to be so simplistic, but we struggle with it. It's the word of God. So my prayer today, church, for every single one of you, is that some way, some way, somehow, by the power of God's word, that a good word might bring you a little bit of hope this morning. A good word might bring a little bit of healing to you this morning. So as we're talking about depression, there's two truths, two truths that I want you to remember when you're battling depression, because depression is a very complex issue, right? And so in case you're a very proud person when it comes to battling depression, I want to tell you, don't be, number one, don't be proud. Depression does not discriminate. It doesn't discriminate. In other words, if if you don't have it, it doesn't make you more spiritual than everybody else. It doesn't work that way, okay? It can hit anybody at any time. It doesn't discriminate. It's not a one-shoe, kind of fits-all deal. It's a very complex issue. And first off, I want to tell you, I'm not an expert. I'm not. I have battled with some depression, like all pretty much everybody has at times in their life. 
But here's the thing, according to what I will call the experts, some people have helped me, and according to God's word, I've dealt with it. We're going to dig into this deep today, okay? So there's four root causes of depression. The very first one is this. It's a biological cause. It's biological, right? If you're depressed, it doesn't mean that you did anything wrong. It could be a chemical imbalance in your body, you know, or in your brain. It's causing you to feel a certain way. Ladies, that postpartum depression, you know what I'm talking about? Everybody here, maybe it's not enough sleep. Maybe it's not enough um, sunlight. You know, maybe not enough exercise you're not getting. It's a biological cause. The second cause for depression could be relational cause. A relational cause. It, it maybe you got a big problem with your kids. You know what I'm talking about? They're running, running wild and free out there, and you can't handle it. So you're struggling with your kids. Maybe you're struggling with your spouse. Maybe you're struggling with issues with people you love. Maybe, church, you've been rejected. You've been rejected by someone that causes that depression in you. Maybe you went through the global pandemic for 18 months and didn't have any fellowship with anybody. That's enough to put you down, isn't it? And you wonder, man, why am I feeling dark? It's relational. The third one is this circumstantial cause of depression. Maybe you've lost someone really close to you. I mean, you had someone really close in your life, and, and they passed away, and, and so you're feeling those, those feelings of darkness. You know what I'm talking about? You just, man, I just wish I could talk to them just one more time. I just wish I could tell them something. Maybe, church, you circumstantial, it's because you've been through some trauma. I mean, someone did something really bad to you. Maybe it's a financial disaster. Maybe it's retirement, you know, you worked your whole life, can't wait to retire, can't wait to retire. Suddenly you retire and you, I ain't got no purpose. What am I going to do? You fall in that depression. Maybe it's an empty nester. Some of you, you celebrated when the last kid walked out of your house. You couldn't wait. And then others like, man, I wish they would all come back. It could be that. It's circumstantial. And the last one, church, is this. It's very, very real too. It's spiritual. Spiritual circumstances can cause depression. Remember, I want to tell you what the God's word says. The Bible says this. We do not battle against flesh and blood, the Bible says, right? It's spiritual. The enemy is constantly wanting to attack you. You have spiritual battles with the forces of darkness. Remember what the enemy wants to do to your life. The Bible says he wants to rob, he want, I'm sorry, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the enemy wants to do, steal, kill, and destroy everything that matters to God. That's what the enemy wants to do, steal, kill, and destroy every single thing that matters to God. And listen, nothing matters to God more than you. True story. Nothing matters more to God than you. You know, all the other stuff he created on this earth, psh, whatever, you matter to him. Remember, there's multiple causes to depression, and it doesn't discriminate. So today, what I want to do is I want to talk from a very spiritual perspective, but you also might want to get some general help, too, for depression. So what I'm going to do today, I want to show you in the Old Testament, all right? In the Old Testament, a very depressed man of God. I mean, he was tight with God. Very close to God, but he was very depressed. And I want you to understand where this guy is coming from. See, he was a prophet. If you don't know what a prophet is, this guy spoke on behalf of God. God would speak to him, and then he would speak on behalf of God, saying, here's what God wants me to tell you. And he represented God. See, God, 
He would tell people what God wanted them to say. And so this man of God, very deep man of God, deeply committed in his faith, okay? We're going to look at the prophet Jeremiah today. The prophet Jeremiah in, in Lamentations chapter 3. You want to talk about some heavy stuff, read Lamentations, man. Woo, it's really deep. But I want to give you a little bit of context so you can understand why Jeremiah was depressed, right? So maybe, I hope all of you have heard of Solomon's temple. It's one of the greatest tributes to God that was ever created in the history of mankind. I mean, the Bible talks about it was, it was laid out. We're talking it had it all, lots of gold, all the cool stuff, okay? Well, it stood for 400 years or so, and then it was destroyed by the Babylonians in 587 B.C. And so Jeremiah, he witnessed firsthand the destruction by the Babylonians. See, he would have witnessed loved ones being murdered, he would have saw this. He, he would have witnessed close friends who were taken captive into slavery. He would have watched perhaps family members being deported away from this city and, and, and what he saw, church. The house of God completely destroyed. And he was depressed. See, this guy might be, you know, Jeremiah might be where some of you are right now. Might be right where you're at. You, you know, you, you, you're feeling depressed. You don't know what way to turn. You don't know what to do. And so what we're going to do in the Old Testament, Lamentations chapter 3, I want you to look, look at the descriptions of a man of God. Remember, he was close with God. That he found himself with no hope. He felt like, there's no hope. There's nothing good here. And I want you to look, as we're reading this, at the descriptive metaphors. If you've ever battled with depression, and I believe everybody here has some form of depression at one time or another in their life, it is a very good and accurate description how we've all felt. Let's turn to Lamentations chapter 3. If you guys will follow along with me, we're going to read verses 1 and 2. We'll start there. It says this, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away. He has made me walk in darkness rather than light. Now, remember, this dude is depressed. I mean, he's struggling bad. And so instantly, what does he do? Church, a lot of what we always do. When we're struggling, who do we blame first? God. Right? When your kids are struggling, who do they blame first? You. It's your fault that I can't get on the honor roll. <laughs> it's your fault that I'm not good at basketball. Right? So your children blame you, and you know what? We said, that's ridiculous. It ain't my fault, whatever. But we do the same thing to God, and that's what Jeremiah is doing here. Check out verses 5. He says this, he has besieged me. He's talking about God. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and, and hardship. And he goes on to say in verses 6 and 7, he said, he has made me dwell in the darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. And then I want to read to you verse 8. It's not going to be on the screen because it just hit me this morning. He said this, even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. Jeremiah's depressed. So much so to the point, remember, he was a prophet. He was tight. Him and God was close. Now he's saying, God, you ain't even listening to me anymore. 
Even when I pray to you, you block it out. You push me aside. You don't care, right? You're weighing me down with chains. You're holding me back. I can't even escape this, God. It's all your fault. It's you. So the prophet of God, the man of God, Jeremiah, he's broken. Absolutely broken. And so momentarily right here, he's got no hope. How many of you have ever been in that situation where you honestly feel it's hopeless? You're going through something in your life. You know, things are tough. And maybe it's with family. Maybe it's just your own situation that you either created yourself, because we do that a lot, church. Most of our situations, we do it to ourselves. But we feel like it's hopeless. So there's two things I want you to remember when battling depression. Is this, first one is this, your emotions are actually valid. Your emotions are actually valid. You really are feeling them. It drives me crazy when I'm going through something and someone goes, you can't feel like that. You can't tell me how to feel. I feel that way. Maybe I shouldn't, but I do. I'm sad. Don't tell me I can't be sad because I'm sad. Don't tell me I can't be angry because I'm ticked, okay? Don't tell me I can't be. I have emotions. So do you. And so your emotions are valid. You really are feeling them. And the second one is this. Your situation feels hopeless. When you're depressed, your situation really does feel hopeless. It feels absolutely hopeless. And so if you're depressed right now, you're struggling right now, and you don't know what to do. You don't know how to get out of it. You maybe, you've tried to read your Bible. You're like, oh, I'll read the Bible. That'll get me out of it. You've tried to believe. You've prayed. I mean, you've done it for so long, and, and you're still feeling, man, there is no hope whatsoever. Now, what I have told you about these true truths, they're absolutely true, church. 100% true, but listen, they're incomplete. I didn't finish the sentence for you, the first one. Your emotions are valid. They're very valid, but they're not permanent. Church, today is not forever. Sometimes we look at everything that's going on like, this is the way it's going to be for the next 50 years. No, today is not forever. Your emotions are very valid. You are feeling them but they're not permanent. And the second one is this, your situation feels hopeless. But I want you to know, church, with God, there's always hope. There is always hope. And so with the presence of God, even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, remember, today is not forever. Even when everything seems hopeless, even when, you know, it it, it feels like there is nothing but despair, with our God, there's always hope. He has his hand on it. So I wanted us to dig into these thoughts. I want us to dive deep. So if you're depressed, remember, your emotions are valid. They are very valid. They are real. But they are actually an important part of your healing. If you want to heal, recognizing those emotions, right? If you feel hopeless, here's what you do. This sounds so cheesy, but you seriously, you do it. It helps. You say, I'm hopeless. I've had people come in and they'll say, preacher, I'm depressed. I'm like, what's wrong? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. And you know how hard it is for me to try to help someone if they themselves don't know what it is? So what you do is you dig in. You figure out what's wrong with it, and you name it, right? You name what you feel. You know, I'm angry. I'm depressed because I'm ticked about what happened in my life. You know what? I'm depressed because I'm hurt. 
Man, you don't know what so-and-so did to me. You know, I'm depressed because I feel betrayed. Someone I trusted so much. Man, they did something dirty to me. I, I am depressed because I feel empty right now. I just feel numb. You name your feelings. It's a proven fact that people who figure out and label the feelings actually do better at getting over them. So naming your emotions opens the door to changing your emotions. It's not something like spiritual, like, well, let's just pretend it's not there. Because I'm such a strong Christian, I'm going to act like it's not going on. That's not how you do it, church. They are there. And do you realize that God has given you every single emotion that you have? Even anger. God gave you anger. He just says, use it wisely. What does he tell us? Don't let the sun go down on your anger, right? He means, let it be short. Don't hold to it for years. Makes you a bitter old man or old lady, right? You don't want none of that. God gave you all your emotions. He wants you to use them right. They are valid, but they're not permanent. Your emotions are not permanent. And so when you recognize they're not permanent, and when you identify them, you know, I feel desperate. I feel hopeless. When you name them, church, it opens the door to God being able to change it. And since our emotions are temporary, I want you to get this. Since your emotions are temporary, don't make permanent decisions based on temporary conditions. That's big. I want you to hear that one more time. Don't make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. You know, when you are feeling down, don't make those decisions. You hold off on it. You know, when you feel that all men are this, ladies, when you're all, all you men are like this, that's not true. Don't do that, right? I've heard this one. All churches are this or that. That's not true. You're, you're working on your emotions right now, right? All people are like this. All Christians are like this. You, you can't do that. So, so what we're, we're not going to do is make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. And when you're afraid, church, when you feel threatened, when you maybe feel like quitting in your marriage, remember, those are emotions. Maybe you feel like quitting on God. Those are your emotions. You don't make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. Man, maybe you feel like running out the door. Maybe you feel like shutting everyone out. Maybe some of you might even take it a step further, get a, a great big bottle of Jack Daniels and do something stupid. You know what I'm talking about. Listen, your spiritual enemy wants more than anything to steal, kill, and destroy. When he's telling you, you run. When he's telling you that you get out. When he's telling you, you block everybody out. He's whispering that in your ear. When he tells you to go get ripped to where you don't even know what you're doing, that's the enemy telling you because he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he wants for your life. So your situation may seem hopeless, but with God, there's always hope. You might not always feel it, you might not always believe it. You might not always believe it, but today what I want to do is I want to bring a good word to you. Remember, it's from God's word. I'm praying that, you, that this will give you some hope today. Remember, God knows what he's doing. How many of you accuse God all the time? Like, Psh, he don't know what he's doing. I'm going to take matters in my own hands. You screw it up every time. You know you do. You, you can't wait on God, so I'm going to go ahead and do what I want to do because... Lord, I know myself pretty good. 
You realize how bad you lie to yourself every day? You do. But we deceive ourselves. And God, church, God knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. Now let's go back to Lamentations, if you will. Check out what Jeremiah is doing here. Check out verse, chapter 3, verse 20. And so remember, he's all ticked off. He's blaming God. He's depressed. He's upset. And verse 20 says this, I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. He's looking at all the people he lost. He's like, I can't do this. I can't. I'm just, I'm done. I'm so depressed, right? But then he goes on in verse 21. I like this. He says, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. So remember, he, he's like, I feel hopeless, right? I feel depressed. You know, I'm walking in darkness. I have no hope whatsoever. And, and sometimes, church, the enemy, what he does is, is he tells you, you'd be better off if you weren't even here. I believe he's whispered that to some of you. And in the moment, that might feel true. But I want you to know that is never, ever, ever under any circumstances true. You realize God knew what he was doing when he created you. He knew exactly what he was doing when he created you, and God knew, church, he knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. He, he put you here on this earth. Do you realize that? God put you here on this earth so that you could A, know him, and B, so that you could have good works to do that he prepared in advance. I love it when people prepare things in advance for me. It's wonderful. Do you realize God has already like paved the way for what he wants for you to do? Some of us are just dumb. <laughs> we aren't looking. We're not paying attention, right? And so, so, so we're, going, we're not going to make permanent decisions or permanent conclusions. How many of you do that? You make permanent conclusions. Oh, I know what's going on here. Yeah, though someone will look at you like, I know exactly what you're thinking. No, you don't, because you probably wouldn't talk to me if you knew what I was thinking about you right now. Right? The people, they make permanent conclusions. And you know what happens when we're depressed? We isolate ourselves. Enemy loves to work at you when you're all by yourself too, by the way. And then we start just to think, oh, I know what they're thinking about me. I know what they're saying about, oh, I guarantee you they just said that about me. I know what they're thinking about me, right? That's what he likes to do. He isolates us. And so we're doing these things. And then in verse 21, Jeremiah, remember, he's struggling bad. He says, yet I call to mind and therefore I have hope. He has a moment. The light bulb goes off and he has this moment, right? And then in verse 22, it says this, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. The Bible says because of the Lord's great love. See, this word love in the Bible, it appears 248 times. 248 times the word love is in the Bible. And so it translates two ways from Hebrew, two ways. The first way it translates is an unbreakable devotion to God's promises. An unbreakable devotion. It means God promised you, it's happening. It's going to be there. It's a covenant. So because of his love, we're not consumed. But the second definition, the way it's translated is this. It means a mother's womb. I love this. 
This is really cool. It means a mother's womb. What happens in the mother's womb, right? What happens in the mother's womb, it, it's, it's a safe place for a baby, isn't it? It's a safe place. It's where life begins. It's where life is nourished. It's where it's protected, right? In the womb, compassions never fails, church. They are new every single morning. Every single morning. God's love for you it's like a mother's womb. It protects you. It keeps you. It sustains you. It holds you. Do you realize that God is brand new every single morning to you? He is. Every single morning, do you realize he gives you your daily bread? Do you realize he gives you daily grace? Do you realize that he gives you daily compassion? Do you realize that he gives you daily goodness and he gives you daily presence? And with God, there is always hope, church. Always hope. So what do you do when your whole world is in the dark? I'm talking about when it's closing in, when it's hard to handle. Here's what you do, church. You acknowledge it. You recognize, here's where I'm at. You call it what it is. You might want to get help. Go talk to a counselor. There's nothing wrong with counselors. I've been to counselors. Wonderful. Make sure you get a good Christian counselors. There's some crazy ones out there, people. I promise you. They'll tell you some weird stuff. Maybe you need to get on some supplements, right? Maybe you need to get some, some supplements. Change your diet. That's wise and spiritual, church, by the way. Don't eat that whole box of Twinkies. It ain't going to do you any good. It's going to mess you up even more. A lot of chemicals in there. You know, change your diet, right? It, so your body can work the way that God designed it to work. So that you can think properly. Church, you can exercise. You can journal. Get into a small group, man. You need to be in a small group. And listen, I don't know how people deal. I really don't know how people deal with depression and all the forces of darkness without good Christian people to rely on. I seriously don't. I don't, I don't know how they do it. People to encourage them. People to pray for them, right? People to cheer them on. We need community. We need each other. We really do. We need to be there for each other. See, Jeremiah was down. He was depressed. I, I got this image in my head, just him kind of like walking around slumped. You know what I'm talking about? Just, just dragging. There's no hope. Everything's terrible. And then I, I got this image in my hand, in my head. Verse 21, when he says, yet I call this to mind. And there I have a, he had a moment. And I just picture him, church, looking up. I picture him looking up, recognizing, all right, God, you are still there. You are doing something, right? And I maybe picture him just raising his hands up and saying, God, check this out in verse 24. He says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, and therefore I will wait for him. He's talking to himself, church. That don't make you crazy. Do you realize that you can preach to yourself? Some of you guys do it on the negative every single day. You look in that mirror, ooh, I don't like this. I don't like that. I hate this about myself. You convince yourself, church, when you do that, you're literally convincing yourself because the enemy's whispering in your ear saying, yeah, what about this? What about this? And then you're speaking it. Do you realize that the words that come out of your mouth has power? And so Jeremiah, he's preaching himself. He says, I say to myself, self, 
The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him, right? So he's preaching to himself right there. And church, we need to do a little more of that. We need to encourage ourselves, recognize what God's doing. Every single person here, you got good stuff. You do. You do. And you should preach to yourself about what God's doing. And I love what it says in 25 and 26. It says, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So this morning, I want you to get it, church. Sometimes you need to preach this to yourself. I'm talking about out loud. That you, you continue to speak the words of what God has spoke over you. That he honestly believes that you are worth it. You are so worth it. He literally sent his one and only son to die a horrific death, horrible death. Because he loved you. For some of you right now, Satan's whispering in your ear. He's saying, that's for everybody but you. That's a lie. Remember, he's the father of all lies. Every word that comes out of his mouth is a lie. And so you need to preach to yourself. Listen, your feelings are valid this morning. But I want to remind you, they're not permanent. God can do something brand new every single day. But are you willing to let him? I want to ask the praise team to come up here this morning. You know, Church, a lot of times when we get depressed, you know what we end up doing? We give into it. We do. We live in it. You know, in Psalm 23, right, it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, David, he's struggling, right? And you sit there and think about that. He didn't say, I stopped in the valley of the shadow of death and I pitched a tent and I'm going to live here. He said, no, I'm walking through. I'm struggling right now, but I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to look for God's goodness. If you go ahead and finish reading that 23rd Psalm, he talks about all the good things that God is doing for him. He's talking about all the amazing things that God has promised him that he's going to do for him. So this morning, if you are struggling and you are, you're, you're laying in that depression and you're just hanging out there, this is all there is for me. That's a lie. Here's what it is. You've got to surrender. You call it what it is, and you surrender to God. You don't surrender to the depression. You don't surrender to that depression. You surrender to God and saying, God, I'm giving it to you all right now. Do you realize? And for me, God's got a lot of patience with me. Sometimes I've got to surrender it every 10 minutes. That ADH thing, it just keeps going, right? And I said, all right, God, I'm giving it to you again today. And I, all right, God, here it is again. Sorry, I took it back. You surrender not to the depression. You surrender it to God. We surrender to God, church. That's what we do. As believers in Jesus Christ, you surrender to him. Everything. All of it. Don't hold anything back. You give it all to him. And so this morning, I'm asking you, church, are you still fighting? Are you going to fight that depression? Are, are you, you going to fight with the words that God has given you? Are you going to preach to yourself? See, it's time to surrender to God.
Church, I know right now a 25-minute message is not going to cure everyone's depression. I ain't going to be that preacher that'll tell you that. God can take care of it. He can take it out like that right now. He doesn't always, though. But I pray a good word today is going to give you hope. I pray today for healing. I pray today for hope and victory over every single person's depression that's sitting here today. But listen, it's not going to happen until you surrender it to him. And let today be the day. Maybe there's someone here that's never surrendered anything to God. I'm not, I'm talking about you haven't even surrendered your life to him. You're still holding on to all your sin. You're still holding on to all your shame. You're holding it close too. And guess what? It's making you sick. It is. It's holding you back. So I want to tell you, God wants more than anything for you to surrender your life where you admit that you are a sinner, where you admit that you screwed a lot of things up in your life, where you admit that, Lord, I can't do this alone and I need you. So Father, take this from me. You ask for forgiveness of those sins. You invite Christ into your heart and you follow him in Christian baptism and he will do a work in your life that you never thought possible. So how about it, church? If that's for you, I want you to come up front. There'll be people up here who can pray for you. Maybe you just need praying, someone to pray for you because you're struggling a little bit right now. You're a believer in Christ, but you're struggling. Let him do that for you. So how about it, church? Stand together and let's sing. But I want to encourage you to respond this morning.